0: You know, if you're like me and you think about the amount of time that you spend with God and prayer and just devotional time and and all that, you know, there's a lot of time that's spent uh, seeking God and, and being with God that I would say is, you know, kind of uh, based upon me seeking or, or praying for things that I am in need of, you know, really approaching God with petitions for things that I feel I need in my life, whether it's direction or resources, wisdom, a lot of different things. And that's good, and it's important, you know, and I want to make sure I make that point really clear tonight as I get into some of these other things I want to talk about, that we know God wants us to do that. In fact, if you look at the book of Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, it says, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? So we understand that when we seek God, uh, for things that we're in need of, that that's good. He wants us to do that. He wants to bless us with things as we approach him, knowing and believing in, in prayer that he's going to give us that. But at the same time, there are other uh, uh, The nature of other moments or time spent with God that revolve around just strictly being in his presence, just strictly being with him and spending time with him, not necessarily seeking something specific, but just because of how good and how great he is and how awesome it is to just be with him and be in his company, right? And to just have his spirit resting upon you and just feeling that love and that peace that you get from being around him. And I think that I would be honest in saying for a lot of years, especially earlier in my walk with the Lord, that most of my time, the vast majority of my time, if I had to be really honest about it, was probably spent seeking things, praying for things that I needed, that I wanted, or that I felt that I was struggling with. Right, And I think that's where it begins and we kind of move in our our growth process or whatever. But I also think one of the challenges is, is that it can cause us to be a little inconsistent with how we are spending time with God. Because if we're not at a point where we really feel we're in need or we're really seeking something or we really feel like we need to be blessed in some particular area of our lives, then maybe we're not as devoted or as dedicated to that consistent amount of time of spending with God and just really understanding that there's time spent with him just being in his presence that we come to him for that, not necessarily looking for anything else, not looking for a bunch of answers or a bunch of solutions or a bunch of responses to our prayers or direction that we just feel we need so we can move forward, but many, many moments spent in our lives daily just coming to God just to sit and be with him and just to be in his presence, right? And the thing is, our lives they naturally will fill up with many more things than you can reasonably devote yourself to or your time to. Case in point, how many people would raise their hand and say, I have all kinds of free time on my hands. I'm just not busy. There's really nothing I have going on, nothing pulling at me. I just walk around all day with nothing to do. Who would do that? One person. You're throwing me off here. (laughs) Right? 99.9% 99.9% of the people say no because life is just filled with activity. It's filled with stuff, and it's going to naturally pull at you to devote yourself to more things than you can, but my point is, is that unless you are somehow making it a priority and making it, you're, you're, you're carving out time and you're focusing on it and you're intentionally going about the business of spending time with God just to be with him, it's not going to just naturally happen. It's got to become something that we are accustomed to doing on a regular basis. And might I add that as you do it consistently and you spend time with this creator of the universe, this God, this amazing king of kings, that it gets so amazingly addictive that you can't help but want to keep doing it over and over and over again day after day after day to the point you can't go a day without it right, to just be in his presence, and it's not about necessarily seeking a bunch of answers or things that we feel like we deserve some sort of response from God about, because guess what, God doesn't operate by time, right, God created time, so he's outside of it, now we function within time, so when we don't get answers and we don't get stuff right away when we're praying or when we're seeking, it could cause us to get frustrated or feel like something's going wrong, God's up here outside of time and he just isn't thinking like that. Within the realm of time, he's not limited by that. So when we're praying and seeking God, he's up to something. He's got a plan. He knows what's going on. But if we're more approaching God on a consistent basis, just understanding, man, I just want to be with him. I just want to be around him. I just want to be in his presence because it's just, there's just nothing like it. There's just nothing like it. Wherever you're at in your day as you go about your day, this doesn't have to be like, you know, some special thing that, not that it can't be, but it isn't reserved only to uh, an hour in the morning when nothing else is going on or whatever. I mean, I spend time with God in my car all the time when I'm driving around, and the presence of God is there consistently, and it's just, you know, immerses you whenever you seek him. He's faithful to just meet you where you are when you come before him with a genuine heart just to be in his presence and just to be around him. I think about... You know, with my wife and I, we, one of the things that it took me a while to kind of like figure out is that she likes to just spend time together just to talk, like just to sit and talk. And for me, I'm like, I don't, what do you get, what do you mean? Like, you know, we should be doing something or like we got to be, you know, doing some sort of activity. Let's go out. And, and she just likes to sit and just talk. And, and I get it now. Okay. I get it. And, and it's good for her. She needs that and everything. Um, but my, my point is, and I like it too, it's just not as much, but no. My point is, is that I, I'm finding more and more and more. Look, I'm like, I feel like a rookie at this stuff, honestly, okay? But I'm finding out more and more and more as I'm with her and we're just hanging out, we just come together just to be together and spend time together, that I discover so many things, more things about her and who she is that I don't sit down and intentionally, like I'm going into it, trying to figure those things out. They just come and they just happen as a result of her and I being together and spending time together. And it's much the same way with God. There's so much more that will come through from God pouring into us that we get not necessarily because we specifically sit down and approach God for those things, but because we just want to be with him and around him. And by the nature of being with a person, you get to know them and who they are and the beautiful aspects of their personality and every part of them becomes more and more and more evident to you and you become more and more in love with that individual if we're talking about our spouse, right? And that's the way it is with God. It's the way it is with him. I would say so many of the things that I feel God has shown me, revelation, deep truths, just direction for my life, haven't come in moments where I'm saying, God, I need to know what to do about this, or I need an answer to this, and God just speaks in response to my question. Those, I, I mean, you stay in modes of prayer about that, keep praying about that, but what I'm just driving at is that most of those things have been poured into me in moments and times where I'm just there to be with him. And I'm just wanting to be in his presence and I'm just wanting to be around him for how good he is and how awesome he is and just let him love on me and me know that everything's gonna be great. He's got control of my life and he's got a great plan for me and just soaking in those realities and those truths and God just pouring things into me on a consistent basis when that stuff is happening and I'm getting answers to things and I'm getting wisdom on things and revelation on things that I'm not necessarily even seeking at that specific time. But that's how it works with God because we just open ourselves up and we're just fully open and so we're just kind of receiving whatever God wants to dump into us. If we come to God seeking a specific thing, asking for a specific thing, Thing, then sometimes we have a tendency to only see if that answer or that thing comes and not anything else that might be try- God might be trying to pour out to us at that moment in time, amen? And there's a story in the Bible for me that really helps to just drive this, this, this principle home of preparing room and time to just spend with God to just be with him. And it's a fairly well-known story in 2 Kings chapter four. If you've got your Bibles, go there with me. And it's about the prophet Elisha and a Shunammite woman. And starting out here, in verse 8, I'm just going to kind of read through this story rather quickly and and touch on just certain points in here that I want to draw out but certainly read this story more in depth for yourself later on this week. It says, Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food, and she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him in there and a table and a chair and a lampstand so that it will be whenever he comes to us that he can turn in there. So, first thing to, to grab hold of is in the Old Testament when God hadn't given his Holy Spirit uh, to people like he had since we received the Holy Spirit from receiving uh, Christ, that God used prophets to speak his word, to share his word, and to instruct the people. So being in the presence of a prophet of God was essentially as close to being in the presence of God as people were going to get, right? And so what, what she is getting here, the nature of this act that she's doing this relationship is that she is serving this man of God and she is preparing a room and she's making a place for him so that any moment at any time when he passes by that he'll come in and he'll spend time with her and he'll just stay there and he'll just be there a while and she'll be graced and blessed by just being in his presence not knowing or having some preconceived agenda necessarily of all this list of things that she can't wait to ask him when he gets there. But her entire agenda is just strictly that when he's around, that he's with her and she is in his presence and she gets to be blessed by that. She's serving him and she's making a place for him. She's not necessarily seeking anything from him, right? And so when he does come around, she's already uh, prepared and she's ready ahead of time so that it's, it's not like uh, she's being caught off guard. And, and she's setting things up where it's not inconvenient for him to be there. It's not like she has to rush around, oh, okay, the holy man's here. Let's, let's hurry, hurry up and throw a room together. Like it's an inconvenience or it's sort of interfering with the rest of what's going on in her life or something. That can happen to us, right? But what she's doing is she's just setting the stage so that at any moment, at any time when the man of God is around, that everything is ready and prepared for him to be there, to be comfortable there, to not feel like he needs to be in a hurry to leave or rush off. There's nothing else happening in this woman's life that's going to force him on out. In fact, quite the opposite. W- however long he wants to stay, she's excited to have him there for that visit. She's, she wants him to be there as long as he will, will be. And, of course, uh, he comes in and he spends time with her. And then eventually some things start to happen as he frequently visits. If you'll jump into uh, verse 11 here now, it says, And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him, and then he said to him, Gehazi, say now to her, look, You have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And then she answered, I dwell among my own people. So, just to paraphrase, what she's basically saying there when she says, I dwell among my own people is, hey, that's really nice of you to ask, but I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate the offer, but I don't need anything. I don't want to bother you. I don't want to burden you with anything. Why is that important? Because at this moment, we can really see now that there is a genuine sense of this woman only wanting to be in the presence of this man of God to serve him and to be around him, that she has no Uh, motive to try to get something for herself or to earn or receive some extra thing that comes along as a result of doing this for him and I think there's so much to be said for that so much to be said for that that she wants to be in his presence and wants to be around him regardless of what it's unconditional in our lives, should be much the same way in how we spend it with God. Do we approach God with petitions that we are in need of? Absolutely. We know that. The Bible tells us that. I'm not making light of that, but what I'm saying is that's not the only time we're spending with God. It's not all that and not All this other stuff too, which is strictly just coming to points and places and moments along our days where we just want to be in the presence of our Heavenly Father. We just want to feel his loving arms around us. We just want to feel that embrace, that peace, that comfort, everything that comes along from just resting in his presence and the nature of his character just manifesting all over us, right? Amen. And also what's interesting here is that the man of God, just because of the, the, the genuine, innocent nature of her wanting to be around him, he wants to bless her. He, he all of a sudden looks down and he wants to shower her with blessing. He wants to just do something nice for her. right? And God always wants to do good things for us. As we're spending time with him and being with him, you're gonna, I, I, you, you will see so much of the times that it's like God just, boom, just starts imparting and, and, and dropping things into your spirit and just giving you insight and wisdom and knowledge into things that you're not maybe necessarily seeking at those times, but he just is, wants to shower you with him, and you're in his presence, and he just wants to bless you, right? Because you genuinely come to that place where you want to be there, and you just, you, that's the reason why you're there. Verse 14, so he said, what then is it to be done for her? This is Elisha asking his servant Gehazi, because she didn't, she didn't ask for anything. So he's like, I, I still want to do something for her. So Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. So he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. So I'm just thinking, like, if you're the husband in this situation, this thing kind of works out good for you either way, right? (laughs) Because you either get a son or he's saying you're going to have a son, which you know what that implies. So they're going to, anyway, (laughs) I'm sure he was happy with this man of God and the way he chose to bless this family. So uh, so this great thing that God wanted to do for her and for this family gets birthed, gets brought out by no like initiating of her own, by pursuing it, by really seeking it. Now, maybe she was praying for this for years before. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say that. Probably she was if she's without child. But it wasn't like she was going after that right now. This is some blessing some amazing thing that's going to change their life forever that God's going to do that just gets birthed into the situation right now as a result of her wanting to be in the presence of the man of God serving him and being around him and all of a sudden this great thing just boom gets birthed right into their life right and then the child grew now it happened one day that he went out to his father to the reapers and he said to his father my head my head so he said to the servant. Carry him to his mother, and when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat her on her knees. She sat him. Uh, he sat on her knees till noon, and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him, and went out. Now, this is a, this is a moment where many people come to. Where something that God has birthed in our lives, something that God has divinely chosen to bring into existence, to bless us with, to see through, seemingly is going to die prematurely. Right? The boy is grown, but he's still a young man, and all of a sudden he dies. What is that all about? Especially the way that this, all, this whole thing came about. God blessed, you know, the man of God blessed her with this. She didn't seek it. And now all of a sudden, you know, she, he dies and, and she's got to be wondering what is going on. But what does she do? How does she handle this situation? This is amazing to me. She takes the boy upstairs and lays him on the bed, shuts the door, and goes out. Now, the next thing she does, if you read further in the story, is she gets the donkey ready, and she kind of saddles up the, the travel team. She lets the servant know she's leaving, and she, ho- she goes. She heads to go find the man of God. She's going to go seek him out, and she's going to, you know, this thing in her mind isn't over. You know how I know that? She took him and laid him on the bed. She wasn't preparing for a burial. She was preparing for a resurrection, Right? Why else would she do something like that? She was probably going to be gone for however many... Hours or days, I don't know. She takes him up and lays him on the bed. Her heart was already stirred with faith because this thing got birthed in her life as a result of God just blessing her and pouring this thing out to her. In a moment, she wasn't even seeking it, and she knew that God wanted to do this for her, and she was hanging on so tight and so strong in faith that she went and laid that boy on the bed, and she headed out, and guess what she even says when her husband asked her where she's going? Why are you leaving today? Why are you going and traveling today? She says in verse 23, it is well. Basically saying, I'm just, it's all good. Don't worry about it. She's not panicking. She's not freaking out. She's not hysterical, right? There is a measure of faith here in this woman, I believe, because of the way this thing was birthed to begin with. She is holding on so strong, so full of faith, that she is relentless about seeing this thing through. She doesn't know how, but she knows it's not dying it's not ending this is just preparing for some sort of resurrection from this thing god is wanting to do in my life and i would just say for many people in their life god is going to do things he's going to birth things he's going to open up desires in your heart and plans for your life your future that seemingly are going to die prematurely for whatever reason for whatever reason and those are the moments when you grab hold in faith and you say no What God started, he intends to finish. This thing, he is the beginning. He's the author and the finisher. And he set this thing into existence. He's going to see it through. I am not preparing for a burial. I'm preparing for a resurrection. Amen? I'm preparing for a resurrection. She said, it is well. So she gets up to Gehazi, and she gets up to Elisha, and and she approaches him, and then she sinks at his feet. She grabs hold, and she says, did I ask of a son of you, my Lord? Did I not say, don't deceive me? What's she saying? She's saying, look, I know this thing wasn't of me. I didn't beg this thing into existence. God gave this to me. I know there's a solution. I know there's a provision to bring him back. And so she's throwing herself at the feet of the man of God. And Gehazi starts to go back, the servant, and she says, no. It's just not gonna do. She says in verse 30 to Elisha, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. She knows that there's nothing else under heaven except a hand of God a move of God that's going to bring this thing back that God birthed to begin with. It's not going to be by anything of man's doing. It's going to be by another supernatural act of God that's going to continue to bring this blessing back and sustain it all the way through to fruition the way God had chosen it to be. And she's holding on to that in faith. And I just believe that because of the way this thing came about, because of her spending time with the man of God, genuinely just seeking that and wanting that, and then the man of God blessing her and God giving her a son supernaturally when her and her husband were of old age, that there's something about the way it came about. She is not letting go, she is not giving up. Her faith is as strong and persistent, perseverant and steadfast as any faith that we've ever seen in in this word in my opinion, and, sh- and, and we see what happens from, from uh, this point on. You go to verse 36, and right before that, when Elisha gets there, he, he lays on the boy, and he begins to breathe into him, and his eyes, you know, he's stretched out over the boy on the bed. His eyes are touching his eyes, and his mouth's touching his mouth, and his hands are touching his hands, and, and so he starts to breathe, and then he goes back. The, the boy gets warm like his temperature rises back up. So there's sign of life again, but he's not necessarily standing up yet. And so then Elisha goes out and he comes back and he does it again, he begins and and gets back in prayer and then the boy sneezes seven times. He sneezes seven times. You ever think about like when you sneeze, people say bless you? Pretty good reason right here to say bless you, right? He sneezes seven times and he's back up and walking. This This is when the child comes back to life. And then moving on in verse 36, and he called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite woman. So he called her, and when she came in to him, he said, pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. The the blessing that seemed to be dying that she refused to accept was dead, that was simply just laid down for a moment for whatever reason, she just picked it right back up after her faith premeditated another move of God in her life. Amen? And so what I'm saying is, look, much of the greatest outpouring that God wants to do in us and through us, it's just because he's that good, and he's just generous, and he just wants to bless you and love on you. If you think that the great things that God wants to do are limited to whatever things you think of in prayer or seek God for, you're selling yourself so short. You're selling yourself so short. The vastness of God's plans for your life, the immeasurable limits of his resources and riches of glory exceed anything your natural mind can comprehend. You go to him, you be with him, you just do it because he's that good and you spend time with him and let him love on you, let him be your God. Let him be the sustainer of everything in your life and watch and see in these moments and these times throughout your day by day by day, all of the stuff that God just starts pouring into your life that you didn't even come to him seeking to begin with. Keep praying for the things you're in need of. Don't stop doing that. I started the message tonight by saying that. But understand how much more God wants to do that you're not seeking. And might I add, you probably won't ever ask for but he'll just pour it out to you as you come in and become inundated and captured and just being with him and in His presence. Philippians chapter four, verse 19, in the amplified version, it says, "And my God will liberally supply, fill to the full your every need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If you stay open, you'd stay full. You stay with Him you stay overflowing. I don't trust myself enough to always know what to ask for. But I trust him. And I know when I'm in his presence and I'm just there with him. Just like I talked about with spending time with my wife because I just enjoy it and I love being around her. And I get to know more of her personality and character even after all these years. It's just like it's just beginning. It's even much more so with God. There's so many edges and sides to his personality and his character that you could never sound the depths of. But as you spend time with him and you're being in his presence, more and more and more of that stuff becomes evident to you. And more and more of what he wants to bless you with just gets poured in and starts flowing out. And you didn't even necessarily ask for it. He's that good. He was that good to the Shunammite woman, and he wants to be that good to you. Let's stand to our feet.